This morning, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you on a, a scripture I'm going to read in a moment that this week when I was praying for a family member, this scripture hit my, hit my mind for them, but it hit my mind for you too, hit my mind for me. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna speak this week. Um, it was, I believe, Wednesday when it happened. I said, all right, I know exactly what the Lord wants me to speak on. It's this scripture right here. It says, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Some of those uh, versions of your Bibles, if you have it with you, your Bibles, it'll say it's an ever-present help. It actually means that God's help is at the ready and it's absolutely available. Another version of it says that it's abundantly available. That the help, oh man, I, I can't even get into this without getting excited. This is like the preview. That the help of God is in abundance, which means that the resource of help from heaven that there is an abundance of it, which means if there's an abundance, there's not a scarcity. Which means that he has enough for all of us. And there's no qualifiers for it other than to receive it. So the ever-present abundant help of God is available in our need. Some scriptures will say in our need, in our trouble. Trouble is probably more appropriate for us. <laughs> we'll say need. Anyone ever been in trouble before? <laughs> Yo, all right. I'm glad I have a scripture about lying in here, all right? Anyone ever been in trouble before? Can I, can I tell it myself for a moment? Y'all, I had myself a, a theft ring going when I was 16. I mean... It was a couple of rings, yeah. <laughs> so many rings, they tried to use it for the Olympics. <laughs> I had a, now I wasn't breaking into your cars, so slow down, everybody, okay? I had a ring uh, that we were hitting targets and Walmarts. Um, the statute of limitations is up. So if you're listening online, I was 15 or 16, we were stealing baseball cards, not by the pack, by the box. You say to yourself, where do you hide such a thing? It's called winter coats in the summer in Florida. <laughs> I have no idea why we got caught after a year and a half. And we would take them and get the value of them and then take them to the card shop and they'd pay us half the value and get cash. My dad could not figure out why when I would go out with friends or go on a date with some girl from high school that I never needed to borrow any money. He found out one day and he whooped me for it. Y'all have been whooped before? Now, I don't necessarily believe in whooping your kid physically necessarily anymore. There's a lot of people out there, but it worked on me. My dad whooped me. He got me out of juvie after about four hours of hard time. <laughs> he got me out of juvie after four hours of hard time, Rob. I was hard time. It was a tough deal. Four and a half, maybe. That extra 30 minutes really, really harmed me. And uh, he got me out of there, and, and as we're walking away, he said, uh, he uh, got me about halfway down the ramp from the near Port Manatee, the Manatee County Juvenile deal, deal there, and got about halfway down the ramp. He said, what were you thinking? I said, Dad, I and before I could get two words out, I got slapped upside the head. I don't know what happened after that. I just did a lot of this and a lot of saying I'm sorry, all right? But have you ever been in trouble before? 
Do you know that God's abundant help is available in the middle of your trouble, even when it's your fault? Even when we got ourselves in the need or we got ourselves into trouble, God's present help is there. Amen? And he won't even whoop you halfway down the, <laughs> the ramp. Coming out of juvie, Psalms 31, 4 says, You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. When the enemy sets a trap for you, God will remove you from that net, from that snare, from that trap. It's like the bat signal goes up. And Batman knows I've got to get to wherever this bat signal is coming from, or I've got to find out what's happening because one of, my, one of my people that I protect and take care of is in trouble. So do I believe in crying out for help? Yeah. But you know what I think is funny? He's already usually on the way. <laughs> Come on. He's like, do you think he's waiting for you to be like, God, I'm in trouble. He's like, I already know. I heard. <laughs> I heard you crying. I heard the mess you're in. I'm on my way. I'm dispatching my angels. I'm coming to your rescue. Why? Because his help is abundant. Now, most of us in this room, I say most casually, most of us in this room are not in any sort of like real trouble. But we might be in financial trouble. We might be in relationship trouble. We might be uh, in trouble in the workplace. We might be just internally struggling with, with the, you know, there's like, there's actually, uh, um, um, I talked to a gentleman who's a therapist in town, and there's actually a, a new diagnosis they've presented because of COVID. And it actually is um, a, a diagnosis, a, a diagnosis that, psych, that therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists are using. And it has to do with, um, with, with literally COVID wearing people's emotions out. I don't know what it's called. It's definitely not called that. But he told me what it was. It, it, it's actually people just being so drained and worn down from the changes of life that they're overcome to the point where it affects them in a way that can be diagnosed and treated. That's, that's, folks, that's serious, what's happening today. But in the middle of whatever you're facing, God is a present help. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Psalms 138.3 says, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Psalms 145.18 says, On the day I called you, you answered me. I just read that. I don't know how I just did the same thing. Here it is. Um, I must have just copied the same one. That's all right. Check this out. It actually takes the same faith to believe that God is the God of salvation to also believe that God is sovereign, omnipotent, good, and eager to be our refuge. If you could believe God that you're saved, you can believe God that he'll rescue you. If you can believe, if you have enough faith to believe that he saved you, you have enough faith to believe he'll provide for you. Think about that. It, doesn't, it probably takes more faith to believe that you're saved than it does that he's a good father and wants to rescue you and he's eager to come to your, and be your refuge. I, um, I was reading, and I really wanted to get to this, but I was reading um, uh, Luke, the, the book of Luke, chapter 15. We're not going to read it all because I don't have time, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this for you. Luke chapter 15 has three stories, and it all has to do with something that's lost. It's a sheep, a coin, and a person being the prodigal son. If, if God's not sending a message in that chapter, it's, a, it's, a, it's the 99, the sheep that's gone astray, it's the lost coin that the woman ends up recovering, and it's the prodigal son, all in Luke chapter 15. And I began to think about that for a moment. 
and look at what are the similarities? What is God trying to say in Luke chapter 15? He's saying, here's three things that are lost. And you know what the common thread through all three things were? This is a word that doesn't get thrown out there much anymore. Why? Because I don't believe that, I'm gonna be real with you, that a lot of pastors, teachers, uh, people that are speaking when it comes to faith actually present this word correctly. So it confuses people and brings shame and condemnation. The one common thread in all three of these was there was a point of repentance. See the silence in the room? It's because y'all have been taught this wrong. I'm going to be real with you. Repentance is not about you standing today and admitting every mistake that you made. The word repent actually comes from the word metanoia. It is the Greek word for to change your mind. To change your mind. So I'm going to read Romans 2, 4, which is the scripture that says the goodness of God draws us to repentance. And I'm going to do it, breaking it out with the Greek for a moment. This is what it says. Do not understand God. Do not underestimate God's kindness. What we've been taught, do not underestimate God's wrath. Do not This is the verse. You can read it like this, but I want to read it to you if I'm actually taking the Greek and breaking it out in its context. Do not underestimate God's kindness. The wealth of his benevolence and his resolute refusal to let go of us is because he continues to hear the echo of his likeness in us. And this is the part where it says up here that the goodness of God or the kindness of God leads you to repentance. It says this, the patient passion is for him to shepherd everyone into a radical mind shift. The patient passion or the kindness or the goodness is for God to lead like a shepherd, to shepherd us into, to just kind of do this into slowly for some of us quicker for others into a radical mind shift. I've realized that the rescuing of these three lost things in Luke 15 all had to do with a moment where, where the persons, or in this case, God or, or whatever it is, and through the story of the sheep, he's trying to convince us that there was a radical moment of a change of mind. Shifting our mind. What are we shifting our mind about? What mind shift do you and I need to really encounter, to welcome the abundant help of God when we're lost and we need help, when we're in trouble, when we're in need. It says that he'll rescue us. It says it's abundant, but, what, but why are some of us in need week after week after week? Why are, us, why are some of us finding ourselves in trouble and nothing's changing our situation? It's not him. He has an abundant supply and he is ever ready to help you and I. So what's the problem? What's wrong with me? I can't whistle now. <laughs> this. We need to repent, which means to alter our idea of who God is and who we are. We repent of who we are and who God is. You say, Pastor Dan, but it says repent of sin. Right. Sin is anything that distorts the image of God or the image of you. You say, well, isn't going out and doing this, this, and this sin? No, that's the byproduct of sin. That's the result of sin. 
when my mind about who I am, if I go out and murder somebody, it's sin. The sin is not the killing. The sin is that I believe that I was a murderer. That's where it goes wrong. If I go out and steal, which I already told you I had a little bit of 15, 16 years old, I did that. It's because I believed at some point that I was who I was. I was okay with me being a thief. God's not looking down from heaven saying, you're a thief. God's looking down from heaven saying, I created you to be honorable and trustworthy. I've created you to be patient and kind. I've created you to be loving and caring. And he's reminding us of that. The enemy comes along and says, do you really think you're all of these things? That's where sin happens. Sin happens when we believe the enemy's report about us and not God's. So as we begin to embrace what the enemy says about us, it begins to distort our own image of who we are and who God is. He said, God doesn't love you as much as you think, and you're not as good as you think. Sin enters in when we think less of God and less of ourselves. It's a distorted mind. So the radical mind shift that the Bible talks about, the radical mind shift that is repentance is saying, uh-uh, I'm going to renew my mind of who God is. In a moment where I feel like he's not good, I'm going to remind myself he is good. In a moment where I feel like patience is running out, I'm going to remind myself he is patient. In a moment where I've begun to doubt my own self, where I think I'm rotten or dirty, I'm going to remind myself that I am cleansed by the blood of the lamb. When I, in a moment, do you see this here? It's not about sitting down and listing out everything you've done wrong. It's about sitting down and finding out or trying to figure out why did that all happen? At what point did I begin to embrace a lie about me or God that begin that, those things in my life? So I don't have a lot of time today um, to break this out, every part of it, but I want you to look at this for a second. The word for... Um, um, let me see here. I have it written out here. Number four. That word for patient passion or kindness or goodness. I have six minutes. That word is in the Greek is macrothumias. It means to be patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. So it is, think about this. Guys, this is all tied together. Remember, the cross was about him becoming a substitute for you and I, bearing our sin, bearing our offenses, bearing our distorted image of ourselves, bearing our lies, bearing our injuries. Here it is again. That word macrothromias is this. It's very simple. It means to be patient and bearing the offenses and injuries of others, which means God is patient not impatient, not angry, not haughty, not waiting to whack you over the head. God is patient in bearing my injuries, my offenses, your injuries, your offenses. And in that, he leads us to a place where we begin to change our mind about ourselves and him. Because when we don't get what we deserve, we start to think to ourselves, who is this dude? I didn't get what I had coming to me. Maybe he is good. Maybe that song we sing about being a good, good father is true. I know I messed up. But wait a second. I didn't get. Come on, even some of us that have dealt with punishment or dealt with something in our lives, y'all know 
between me and you. None of us got what we deserved. Even when we got nicked a little bit, we should have been more than that. At some point, God stepped in and was like, hey, between me and you, they only know the tip of the iceberg. You and I know the real deal, but you're not going to get what you have coming to you. You're going to get what I provided for you because of my son, because I'm patiently bearing your injuries and offenses. I am patiently bearing what's happened and what's gone wrong. In that patience, this is beautiful. This is the beautiful gospel I'm laying out here for you this morning. In that patience, God, in his patience and bearing those injuries and offenses in our lives, he begins to start the process of changing our mind. And when we change our mind, when we begin to change our mind, we open ourselves up to the abundant help of God. So if you're in trouble today, I got to wrap this up. If you're in need today, allow the patience of God to bear your injuries and your offenses, to begin to change your mind about how good he is and how good he created you to be and receive the abundant help of God in your time of need and trouble. That, folks, is called wrapping it up. Do you see that? Do you see that package? It's all there. It all works together. It's all like a puzzle dovetailed together. It all lines up with the New Testament, the word of God, the gift of salvation. It's all there together. So the book of Psalms says he's your refuge. The book of Psalms says he's your ever, ever present help in time of trouble and need. The book of Psalms says that no matter where Dan Minor finds himself, that he has enough help for me too. That his help is abundant. And then we see in the New Testament, in the book of Luke, he says so simply and beautifully, and I love it. He says, hey, that which is lost is now found. That which has gone astray has now come back. And the reason is, is because of metanoia. You know, repentance is not in the Bible. I shouldn't have gone there with two minutes left. We made that word up. Did you know that? The word repentance is not in the Bible. We made that up. Look it up. It started with penance. That was the original word, penance, which means to pay. This is how distorted and messed up that word is. We, we took a word that meant to change or shift your mind and made it penance, but worse than penance. Penance means to pay. Like in the Catholic Church, you make penance. You pay for your sins. In the English language, we didn't just make it penance. Charlie, we made it repentance. We were smart enough to realize it's already been paid, but not smart enough to realize that we can't repay it. Again, repentance, repentance, repentance actually means to pay again, to double pay for something. Look it up. I am not lying to you. No wonder we got so many Christians walking around under so much shame, guilt, and condemnation and never receiving freedom because we're telling them they have to pay for something they've already paid, that's already been paid for them instead of actually translating it right, which is, hey guys, something's wrong with the way we're thinking. We need to renew and change our mind and our thinking. So church is actually about changing our mindset and changing our thinking week after week and renewing our minds to the fullest understanding of who we are and who he is, not paying for something that the blood already paid for. Amen. 
with that, messing you up on the way out, <laughs> dropping a bomb on you. I'm going to send you home and look it up. I hope you think, I hope you think I'm wrong and you go research it. I hope you do. I hope you don't take what I say on a Sunday morning and say, oh, everything he says is perfectly right and accurate. No, go look it up. Repentance came from penance and re. It was not the actual word metanoia. Come on. And if you think to yourself, I'm just giving people freedom to go out and act like a bunch of hanyats, that's a family word. I don't know if you know that word. We say hanyats. And that's what I'm doing this morning. I am actually inviting all of us into a place where we can renew and change our mind to what God has paid the price for us to understand about him and ourselves. And there is nothing more beautiful than that. Amen? Go home. I love you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.